Hi everyone and welcome to my new podcast, Gift of the Gab. I'm Gabby O'Malley, I'm your host and I have the amazing Shania Thomas here with me um, sharing my first podcast. So Shania, tell us about yourself, tell us who you are, what you do and what you're about. Hi everyone, first of all, thanks for tuning in to listen to my story. As uh, Gabby said, I am Shania Thomas. Uh, I work as a degree apprentice for Action for Children. And what this means is that I go to university for two days a week and I work at Action for Children, which is a children's charity, for the remaining three days. Uh, My job title is a strategic development apprentice. And what that means is I work within different teams every six months learning about the organization and how each department links into our mission which is ensuring that each and every child has a safe and happy childhood with the foundations to strive. So Shan what made you go down the route of being an apprentice why why do that? Well I think for me what was important was being able to earn and learn at the same time. I come from a working class background so I didn't have the luxury of going to university and getting myself into debt. Plus I wasn't really sure which route I wanted to go down in my career and I just felt that it was too risky for me given my circumstances to spend four years doing a degree then realise that I don't like it and actually not have experience to get a job. Um, I'll tell you why this is so important to me. When I was doing my GCSEs I had a maths tutor as maths was my weak point and he was one of the most intelligent men I've ever met. He was training to be a doctor, but he said the reason why he was doing tutoring is because they would say to him that he's too overqualified to work in Sainsbury's and he didn't have enough experience to get a secure placement at the nursing home or within any other practice. So for me, that's something that stayed with me and that helped shape my view on what I actually want to do because I don't want to be in that position where I'm having to do another job uh, before really focusing on my career. So as well with the whole apprenticeship, I think it's just a win-win deal. You get paid to learn and you come out with qualifications as well. And I think the qualification part is so important because a lot of people can do the practical skill, but you do need that theory that's really helped me understand how a charity works. For example, in my final semester, semester B that I'm on now, I'm in my fourth year at university, I'm looking at charity leadership and I'm able to apply that learning to my practical work so I'm able to know what a supportive manager is how can I make uh Mohammed who I manage feel confident within himself I've looked at some of my module materials that's looking at personal development plans and being able to give him the confidence to do that so long sort of answer to why an apprenticeship (laughs) but yeah I would recommend everybody to do apprenticeships Um, and I think there's this viewpoint on apprenticeships as well Mm. that it's for sort of manual jobs or it's just a second option for me uh, an apprenticeship was the first option I got two A stars and one A in A levels so these are top grade students who are actually choosing to do an apprenticeship mm-hmm. in this current economic climate I think it's perfect to be paid to have your qualification and to have that experience and the experience is so important and it's invaluable. So given the industry that you work in now when you first started first 
started as an apprentice, do you feel that you were treated any differently to any of your peers? Do you feel that people would deal with you differently because you had that word apprentice attached to your name? I think it's a brilliant question, Gabby. And I think, yes, and I think they still do treat me a little Mm. bit differently. I think when people hear the word apprentice, they associate it with a young person. Now, to be clear, anybody can do an apprenticeship. Uh, It could even be upskilling in a job. You can do a level seven, which is a master's degree apprenticeship. Mm. And it can be someone who's been in their industry, their retrospective industry for over 15 years, but wants to try a different career and have the uh, qualification to go with it. So I do think people treated me differently because they assumed that I couldn't do certain things. I have been working since I got a national insurance number. So I was very lucky that I had the opportunity to have office experience before. So things like, for example, navigating myself on Outlook, using Teams, office etiquette. I already knew that. And I think people just assumed that because I am an apprentice, I'm a school leaver who Mm. had no knowledge in that. So sometimes when I first started, it did come across as a bit patronising. Like you can go to lunch, you don't have to eat lunch at your desk. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. But that's probably because I had that experience, that office experience, which I have now realised being in the wider apprentice community, not everybody has had. So some people actually don't realise that then they are allowed to move from their desk. You can go to the toilet whenever you want. If you feel like you need a break in work, you're allowed to take a break. So I think I think that was um, an important learning for me. And I do. I I used to, not so much now, because like I said at the start in my introduction, I move around teams every six months. So I pretty much know everybody in my organisation because I've been lucky enough to work within different teams. So I know who to contact for what. But at the start, if I was in meetings with the executive leadership team, I sometimes felt shy. Like, will they really value my point? Is it because Mm -hmm. I'm a young person and I'm not as experienced? experienced as them but I think that there's power with being young and not as experienced because you give a fresh mind uh you're up to date with current views and I think what's so important particularly in my industry the not-for-profit industry is now with the economic crisis that we're at which has really affected our service users in particular uh which is children in poverty there is a need for a fresh approach and a new take in order for our service users to get what they need, which is a safe and happy childhood with the foundations to strive. Every single child globally deserves that. Do you think in your environment, given that you are quite young and in fairness, I know Shania outside of work and I don't think I have ever met or come across anybody that is as driven as dedicated and just I think the only word I can describe is probably a hustler really whatever she (laughs) wants to get she gets wherever she needs to go she goes and she does what needs to be done to get to where she needs to be so I think while she's young you're quite fortunate that you have quite a mature head on your shoulders as well so I think your outlook generally in life and probably inside of work is actually different to somebody else your age because of where you've come from and what you've done but what I would like to know is your leadership team, the people that, you know, work with you, mould you, talk to you, whatever the weather, do they embrace you as a person? Do they 
enable you to be the best version of yourself and actually listen here possibly implement I don't know but do you feel valued where you are and as an apprentice now that you're you know you're in your fourth year where are you at with that I think it's a brilliant question Gabby and from the bottom of my heart I could not be grateful enough I have Fortunately, I've had two managers within my apprenticeship, uh, mm -hmm. two amazing women who have really helped and shaped me as the future charity sector leader. Um, and I think this leads me to a wider point of good managers. Um, mm. I am really fortunate that I have had two great managers who have embraced me and who have actually built my confidence. Like I said previously, uh, when I first started, I was quite shy. I thought maybe people won't take me seriously because my age and my lack of experience. But my first manager, she always gave me opportunities to be in those board meetings. And she said, even if you don't want to speak, it's good for you to hear the conversation. Mm -hmm. Understand how those meetings are. Understand what the purpose of those meetings are and then what the actions are that take place after that. And I think that helped me build confidence because then I knew how it worked and I felt free to then express my opinion in the appropriate mm. way um I am a very outspoken person and I very. think what is good for me uh and I think the advice I would give anyone is it's about being outspoken and standing up for what you believe in particularly within my sector but there's ways of doing it and what's helped me is that shadowing piece so maybe if I hear something that's not exactly right or maybe it's there's a better option in my opinion I know the correct way to then address that and to whom to address it to. I think in particular, as I come to the end of my apprenticeship, highlighting, embracing myself as an apprentice, my current manager has definitely done that. She's helped me go over my CV. Um, bearing in mind, I haven't looked at my CV in four years, so it was almost like a different language to me I'm like oh goodness I can't remember what I need to include and what she took the time out she doesn't have to do this this is not yeah. part of her role she took the time out spent an hour with me going through my CV um encouraging me to write more she did some of her own external research of how I could enhance the CV we spoke about what my goals were after the apprenticeship and she's actually sent me two jobs within my organization that linked to me and she yeah. set me up over the call with my CEO as she knows I'm very interested in female leadership um, to understand my CEO's journey and I think it's that that going above and beyond which will always stay with me so that's how I know I'm able to be a good manager because I had good managers with me yeah and I think it brings me back to a piece of trust definitely as an apprentice the good thing is that you can make mistakes because I am still learning of course for someone like me I always put 100% into everything I do I make sure I understand the project brief and I'm not afraid to ask questions if I don't understand something I'm not going to lie to you and pretend I do just for the fun do of it do you find a lot of other apprentices so whilst your advice is to be outspoken and obviously deal with things the way that you need to deal with them productively with good communication yeah do you think there's other apprentices who have a different like personality than you do you think that they struggle to ask questions like you say speak up if they knew that something wasn't going the way that it should go they haven't 
I don't know if they've learned or if they feel as comfortable as you to speak up. What what do you think that they could do more of or what could be done for them to bring them to where you are and that you're comfortable to speak up? Great question, Gabby. Pardon Thank me. you. I'm full and of I them think... today, Shan. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that what could be done is to any apprentice watching this or any prospect apprentice understand that it is learning you Mm. were there to maximize your understanding and opportunities this is what is going to put you aside from your peers this experience and this on the job learning so I think don't be afraid immerse yourself in opportunities and just understand other people's communication style maybe for you nobody should change how they are so Maybe I'm comfortable to put my hand up, ask a question. If you're not, make sure you have that one person in the meeting who you can just message offline on Teams mm. and ask, um, is it okay if I do this? What do you think of this idea? Yeah. And I would also say working with your manager to understand those skills that you're not as confident on and put it in a personal development plan and follow up with it. Mm. I think also with like good managers. So I'm quite fortunate that here at KG, I've been here six years, Kyle is possibly one of the best people I've ever worked for. And actually a lot of the other managers that I've had before have all been male and they've been fantastic. And I feel that for the right people, not that you should disclude anybody, but I feel like for the right people, if they see something in you, they will work with you. If you're wanting that, if you're willing to to apply yourself, they will apply themselves to what you want to achieve as well but I think what we also need to realize is that not everybody has the attitude of wanting to succeed wanting to get the communication skills the development skills just like the interpersonal skills as well and just even the confidence to raise their hand not everybody gets that and I think that that's such a shame because we need to now bring up the next generation whether it's apprenticeships whether it's trainees whether it's people that want to come and do Saturday work whatever it is you need good managers to give you guidance. And actually, if you don't have good managers, there is no guidance. So unfortunately, when they get to, I'd like to say my stage, I'm not really that old, but when they get a bit older, like me, it's, they're not really set up for it. Um, but yeah, I think just back to that, I think it's really important to have good management as well. Um, what advice would you give anybody that's a bit younger than you so what actually let me rephrase that what would you advice would you give your younger self when you applied for your apprenticeship I feel like you knew that was coming now <laughs> yeah I did but what, advice, great think alike. what advice would you give yourself because how you are now like I said I know you outside of work from when you started your apprenticeship to work to where you are now you're you're a very different person and you're different for the better And I think you've done that through your hard work, through your want, I don't say need, but your want to be the best and to succeed in life. I remember you sat and had a conversation with your mum and I on the sofa. And I think um, some things you were saying, you left and (laughs) me and your mum thought, oh, she's absolutely killing us. Like she is, you just do the most. You do the most. So what? What would you say to yourself four years ago that you've now learned like along the way? 
keep believing in yourself and never give up. And I tell you why never give up. When I got this apprenticeship, I can't tell you how many other degree apprenticeships I applied for and I wasn't successful. That's not because I was incompetent. That's not because uh, it was a personal reason. That's just because it wasn't the right fit. And I feel like don't ever give up because I did at one point think, oh, I'm not going to secure a degree apprenticeship. I need to look at a second option. I think you got quite disheartened, didn't you? Because it was that constant rejection, one after one after one. And then you probably thought, why am I doing this? Because if this is what it is, then, you know, this isn't where I want to be. Exactly. And I, I, I was thinking, so how can I change this? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep applying because there's nothing about myself that I need to change because I need to be my authentic mm. self. This is a four Always. year contract. So for me, that was important. And also what I would say to myself is making sure that organisations the right fit for you. So I did get offered another apprenticeship, which is the same course as this for another organisation. But I decided that that wasn't the right place for me because it wasn't the right fit. Even though I had had so much rejection, I rejected that before I got this offer because I knew it needed to be the right fit. And this brings me on to something a little bit off topic, but again, interviews. Any interview it's a two-way street it's not just Mm. you trying to impress them is this the right company for you there are things online oh what questions should you ask the employer random questions no ask what is important to you something that's very important to me is flexibility Mm. workplace development so these are questions that I'm going to ask do we have uh, quarterly uh, development meetings is there opportunities for me to do service visits so a service visit because I'm in the not-for-profit sector is going out to our frontline service and that gives you a real view of what the actual people making things happen on the yeah. outside of head office do so these were questions that I asked what is your uh, management style this is really important for me to understand if an organization is flexible what's your policy on working from home are you aware that I live with my grandma and that sometimes I may need to support my grandma how does that work within the organization these are all important questions whilst of course for any job you should be applying because you want to work at the company not just because you need a job because it will never it also needs to work for you as well because if you're going to continue your apprenticeship and I think if you're going to continue to apply yourself you do need you know a little bit of give and take I think in some businesses it's very much be grateful that you're here you should thank me that I've given you a job yep. and you do as I say. That That's not the way to go. Like, we're all adults, we're all human, we're all paying tax yep. and doing the most with it. So we should be treated yep. as as such. And also, if somebody does need to do something, they should be allowed to do that. If you're productive and you apply yourself every single day and you're, you know, whether it be target-based, whether it be customer service, whatever, if you are doing all of that and you need something, it, sh- it should be given that. But also, I've had, I don't say loads of jobs, like I'm not a job hopper, but I've had enough jobs and my working environment now is so key, like absolutely so key. I walked into an interview once and I was asked what my motivation was. And I said money. And actually, it's not money because this person said to me, okay, would you do this, that and the other? 
for 50 grand a year is something like, you know, cleaning drains or whatever. And I said, no, like, that's absolutely not okay. He then said, well, money's not your motivator. And you know what? It's not. I would rather be in a company where I feel valued. I feel appreciated. I feel heard. I feel listened to. And I still earn enough that I can, you know, survive and do whatever else I need to do. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's so refreshing to hear somebody so young speak like that, because I think some people your age, a little bit older and a little bit younger, will grab the opportunity with both hands, not think about what works for them, but think, okay, well, I need to be here. I need to do this. And and this is my job. And probably six months to a year get treated like they shouldn't be treated and leave. For me, and this is, it's all about mindset. I'm not a quitter. Uh, I don't leave anywhere. Um, (laughs) If I start something, I will finish it and I will make sure I do my best. So my advice, again, to anybody is research a company, not just so you can say in the interview or sound good. No, research a company and make sure it's the right fit for you. Workplace culture is essential. Um, Mm -hmm. As Gabby mentioned, and I've done a lot of interviews because, again, supportive managers, I've been put onto interview panels. When we look at your application, we look at how many jobs you have had, if there are gaps in employment, as in line with policy we are allowed to ask you about those yeah yes so I feel like you should anyway so when I did recruitment I did a very brief stint in recruitment you have like a passive candidate and an active candidate so an active candidate I think is someone that moves every two years or something and a passive candidate is somebody that stays there for for quite a while and will only usually move if if they get headhunted but I don't know if it's allowed or not but I feel if you're going to take somebody on for your business you have every right to understand where they've been and and what they've done so they could either be detrimental to your business or they could be a great addition to the business to the business yeah 100 100 percent. so they're they're all key things as well so shan tell us about your your biggest achievement so far since you've been doing your apprenticeship just just I know you've had some big big ones and I know you probably have a little scroll going on over there but tell us give me your top two give me your top two achievements that you're proud of and I'd like to say get there on your own merit okay um interesting question for once I'm a bit speechless so I'm trying to think something that I'm actually very proud of myself for is literally securing the apprenticeship because like mm-hmm. I say it was not easy and I could have given up countless of times I can't tell you and this is why when people say it's such a great opportunity you're so lucky it's not luck um, I do deserve it because I worked hard for it and I never yeah. gave up um, so I think for me securing the apprenticeship coming from a working class background where university was not an option for me to mm. secure something like this where there were 52 other people applying for one place is it a fantastic achievement uh, and that's this is something that I can be proud of forever your education yeah. and your career never goes away and I think this is particularly important to those who identify as female. Um, particularly because 
whilst a lot of people identify themselves in older life, not everybody, but identify themselves based on whether if they've got children, if they're married, one thing that will stay with you forever is your education that you got yeah. on your own and your career. And that's all on your own. Nobody helped me find any apprenticeship. Everything yeah. I've done in my career has been through my own research and knowledge. I never had anyone to hold my hand and sit with me and go through. My mum's the first person in my family to go to university. I didn't have anyone who could tell me, oh, is an apprenticeship the right route for you? Yeah. Oh, this this will be good for your career. Network with this person. <laughs> I learned that all of my own. And I think making mistakes again this brings me back yeah. to a wider piece is part of the journey I've made 100%. more mistakes than some people have ever tried and I've failed at things more times than people yeah. have tried and this but is when you speak to people this is what you will hear successful people they try and they try and they don't give up on themselves if you're not going to believe in yourself who is going to believe in you yeah. look yourself in the mirror and understand your worth for me I'm a Christian so what is important to me and sometimes when I'm feeling down and when things aren't going my way the God who created the earth also created me I have purpose and yeah, actually yeah. if you look at things it's just not that deep okay you make a mistake at work did anybody die no it's really not that deep in five years yeah. am I going to remember this it's literally not that deep and that's something I had to learn oh my goodness I've made a mistake in an email but then to whilst the board you're of saying trustees. that in your environment if you made a mistake were you ever made to feel like oh my gosh what are you doing why have you done that or were you were you reassured to say no it's fine don't worry how how did your environment assist in the way that you felt when you made a mistake good question and I'm going to spin the question a little bit only okay. because <laughs> I think it's a difficult one to answer because everybody has different management styles mm -hmm. so while some people have reassured me it's okay other people have been very upset at me and this is why I'm going to flip the question it's about how you deal with it yeah I know I'm an apprentice and I know some things that I'm being asked to do I've never done before um as long as I tried my best and I've understood why I shouldn't have done that and I know that in the future I'm not going to do that, then it's okay with me. If yeah. I don't understand why I shouldn't have done something, then it's not okay with me. I need to seek yeah. in further. And what I did when I made a mistake uh, was I organised a call with the person who was supervising me on that and we talked through it and I asked questions such as why is this important and how does this make me look to those people so I could understand mm. and although that person was quite upset at me and oh it doesn't look good that's fine no problem I'm still learning and I know that now it's actually something that's installed in me so when I am sending those emails I check them eight times I go on Grammarly and I check before I send that all staff email out mm. or I send to a particularly senior leadership team so it's all learning again and it's all about how you take it you need to understand in the workplace whether it be your own business whatever it's never personal it's just business yeah 100% I have a same with my engineers so if you make a mistake if you know that you've made a mistake own it tell me then we can move on quicker so I used to work for a company and they had a little philosophy what which was the quicker you make a mistake the quicker you can learn from it so it's very much at the beginning let's Let's get it all over and done with. If you don't know, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. We can fix it. There's not really much that can't be fixed or controlled, like damage control. So 
my engineers know if they make a mistake, hold your hand up, we'll get it dealt with and we'll move on from it. But also we're all human at the end of the day. And I think a lot of people forget that whilst, you know, you've got people that own companies and they've got a hundred people that work for them. We're all human at the end of the day, whilst you might want to look at us as numbers, we're actually all people. And sometimes we do make mistakes, but I think it's so important in any environment, in any company, people need to feel safe owning their mistake. They need to feel safe speaking up to say like, actually I've done this wrong. Sorry. Can you help me? And it doesn't need to be a big deal basically, because then after that, what some managers are doing is um, are making it difficult for people to own their mistakes because of the way that they've reacted as well. Um, and just going back to something that you said, I think probably at the very beginning, um, stay true to yourself yep. and do what you believe in. And I think also do what you know is right for you as well. I've had a couple of conversations with people over the last couple of weeks about different things. And that phrase, they have to be honest with themselves or they have to, um, they have to believe in themselves. They have to do all these things and actually just be true to them. And I think in life, that's so important. Certainly in your working career, I've had multiple different jobs doing multiple different things. I've been at KG now six years. And as it stands, there is nowhere else I would want to be. There's nobody else I would want to work with, work for, my team, Kyle, Anne-Marie, everybody because we all kind of have that shared values and that shared understanding as well. And, you know, whether it be young people, old people, you know, older people, sorry, uh, or people in the middle, the rules should apply to everybody. Be yourself unapologetically. Obviously, if you're going to be not a very nice person, that's not really going to work out very well. Um, but if you're, <laughs> if you're open to learn, listen, you know, be guided, then, yeah, I think... I think that's what everybody needs to do. I think a lot of people now, there's a lot of facades going on that they feel that they should behave a certain way in order to be, to, to be perceived in a certain way. And that's great. But also that little mask that is worn, people see through that and people see you without your mask. So actually, rather than being perceived in a certain way that you would want, you're actually being perceived in the way that you look a bit fraudulent. Because how you are one way is actually not how you are the next way. And this is what I love about you. You are so unapologetically you. You are what you are. Take it, leave it. And I think with that, I've always said to you, you know, when you start making big power moves, just hire, just hire me. I'm here. Like, you know, I'm here for all of it. But I do, I know that you'll go far in life. And I think a lot of young people could take a leaf out of your book um I know you mentioned to me before about being a mentor and you mentioned earlier about um do you say managing Mohammed yep so yeah to expand on that so I have done something called reverse mentoring before so this is when you mentor a senior leader so I was at really? a racial equality event uh, which focused on racism in the third sector so just for the benefit of the listener uh, within the not-for-profit sector uh, it is a predominantly middle-class white uh, working atmosphere that is just the facts that is just the statistics this is not made up um on the side of that Shan sorry how 
how does that affect you does that bother you do you deal with it or think any different about it so coming from a mixed heritage background absolutely not I embrace all cultures all religions all races all ethnicity and I think that's what really can build up an organization so for me I love working with different people absolutely no problem to me whatsoever however uh, working within the sector I have understood why it is of importance as when I first started I didn't understand why there needed to be this division mm. and so the reason why it is important particularly within my sector is because we help those who are most vulnerable uh, mm. living in the breadline does not discriminate based on race gender yeah. or religion therefore it is important that you see people who look like you to understand that a service is for you and it does cater for you and you can trust the service yeah and this actually brings me back to a wider piece um when I first was looking for apprenticeships and I was going for interviews I went to an organization which had nobody look like me and I remember calling my mom saying I haven't got the job because I don't actually think that black people are allowed to work there um oh. because that's what I thought there was no imagery of anyone of color there was nobody working uh who even resembled me so I thought oh this is you've got to remember I was very young at the time yeah. so I simply thought you're just not allowed to work there that is genuinely what I thought and so for someone who's struggling with things that charities support, very sensitive topics, why are they going to choose your charity when they might think you can't cater to their needs or understand cultural differences? Yeah. So that's that's the that's the reason why long answer to your question, reason why it is important to address that. But bringing it back to your initial question, I spoke about my opinion and I was asked by the managing director of Women's for Women's International to mentor her and I did that for six months. I now take on a sort of coaching and development role alongside a managerial role looking focusing on pastoral care with uh, Mohammed who I line manage uh, and like I said I've taken on a supportive leadership style championing him to believe in himself mm. to also build future leaders for himself as he will go far if he believes in himself and I also am a part of the AOA network which is the Association of Apprentices which is a not-for-profit charity group um, and I am on the panel for that which is an apprentice community again so that's that mentoring aspect that networking aspect and working alongside other apprentices prospect employers and employers to better improve apprenticeships and also increase the visibility of them because they are amazing I feel very privileged to have somebody like yourself on here. Thank you very <laughs> much. What I'm saying. You, to speak. You just you just do the most, and I've dealt with some apprentices. So obviously, taking it back to the industry that I'm in, electrical um, apprenticeships are quite few and far between in our industry. I think before there used to be loads, um, but I think unfortunately within the industry people almost frown upon apprentices because because, because it's it, as you say because it's you know looking at somebody and dealing with somebody who's quite young now for example we had somebody that wanted to come and train with us and we gave him an opportunity super super fresh no sight experience not a thing he didn't last very long um he didn't know 
firstly, he, he couldn't understand that he had to show up for work on time. Um, there was a couple of times he was taught how to do something, completely ignored it. Um, he's drilled through a wall, drilled through one wall, wall straight into another wall. Um, he's put a an attachment for a hoover on with electrical tape. Um, so whilst we're happy to look at people and consider people for an apprenticeship, they also feel that common sense is something that can't be taught as well. So whilst you can bring people into the industry and give them everything that they need, not everybody has the right intentions. Now, speaking to you versus the people that I've spoken to that want to come and train here at KG, you're, you're worlds apart. So what what advice would you give me, somebody who likes the idea of apprenticeship and likes the idea of bringing people on to train them, but actually, I don't know, not necessarily not finding the right people, but having a different outlook on something because I, I, I feel bad that I feel the way that I do. And I am one of those people that, you know, I've had so many young people come through here their attitude's not right. They don't show willingness. Um, they don't really know why they're in the, this industry. So I'll say, well, what makes you want to do electric? So I don't know. I thought it would be good. Okay. I, I, what What do I do with that? And what advice would you give me if I wanted to, to hire somebody? What What sentences or, I don't know, words of advice would you give me to change my outlook? Yeah, thank you for that question. And it's interesting to hear. Um, and I'm sorry that you've heard that experience because uh, there are a lot of people. No, because I, I say to for the benefit of the listener, I'm sorry to hear that because then this is how people do get a bad view mm. on young people. That is why I apologise, uh, because the people who I know who are on my course and I work alongside with who are similar ages of me, they inspire me every day. So again, that is why I'm sorry, because then it is a, there are people who will just say, I don't have time for young people or apprentices, apprenticeships, I beg your pardon. So I would say it's about forward planning and thinking. If you know that you have this attitude of people, it's about planning when you have those particular interviews and really getting that person to think as mm. maybe how it comes across sometimes the truth is absurd so that could be somebody being nervous that's the reason why so it's that forward planning really trying to get those questions out of them and if you realize that this is a waste of time someone's actually not passionate about the role of course they cannot have yeah. the job I think it's about looking at your outreach where do you go to find these young people do you go into colleges uh, are you going for people who have actively tried to seek recruitment mm. in electricity uh, that sort of field if you do that speaking to careers advisors you would probably get yeah. a pool of people who actually want to do it and for the, the the listener it's not appropriate to go to job interviews and not understand why you want to be in the industry I think if that's your mindset you have to take a year out travel find figure yourself out what you want yeah, to do. figure out what yeah. you want to do because it's a waste of your time most importantly and also the other person's time but as I highlight importantly your own time 
it's a waste because you're not going to enjoy it you're then going to hate your job you're going to hate your life and that brings on a wider issue of mental health which we don't want to go down bad mental health so I think definitely if your mindset is umming and ahhing about things don't um and ah about it because you'll be working till you're about 80 take some time out uh do a Saturday job or something else uh, and then go into a, a very straight road career that's, I think two things say. on that. So we've approached colleges and we yeah. have said that we're keen to look at apprentices, um, electrical, you know, who who have you got? They've sent us CVs of people, not, not that they weren't any good, but it didn't fill me with joy, if you like. So after speaking to some of the people in the college, um, I then questioned, okay, so how does it work if we take an apprentice? They wanted £2,500. Is, is that normal? Is that like, a norm, do you pay colleges to, to give apprenticeships? Because if that apprentice came to me around the college, do I still have to pay the college? I don't. Yeah, it's a a great question and I think this is why there needs to be more visibility on apprenticeships Mm. as unfortunately I don't have the answer to your question so I don't want to give the wrong answer but this is again why I think there needs to be more clear information on apprenticeships because it seems like there is a clouded um massively like like with again just going back to to my industry so I've had engine I've had electricians phone me that have finished that have finished their apprenticeship they've been at their company for years their company wants to keep them but their company is only going to keep them on less money than what they should be on for somebody of their caliber now then that's when they start looking but then also Kyle's story he was made redundant on the day that he he qualified so it's very much everybody wants the apprentices, but if those apprentices fall into the wrong hands of the business, you're either getting turfed out at the end of your apprentice, you're not getting the money that you require. And, and unfortunately, and maybe this is just a trade thing, I don't know. Unfortunately, you get, a, you get a lot of people that are looked at forever and always as the apprentice. If you've been there four years and somebody has been there six, that six-year person will never respect you because you, they've done two years more than you. And I don't think that that's the way to go. But then also I feel like it comes down to environment and, and the culture that your company is allowing to happen. I feel like as an apprentice, you should be embraced, enhanced, you know, not mollycoddled. I think that's the word. No, no, no cotton wool or anything like that. But I feel like they should be treated as equals. But I know in this industry, that's not the case. And it's so frustrating because there's so many kids that are dying, like, you know, desperate for an opportunity. But a company like ours, I'm very reluctant to take them because I've had so many bad experiences with young male and female engineers. It almost gives you a bit of trauma because you don't want to hire somebody to then let them go. And actually, if you commit to an apprenticeship, and these people don't show up on time. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Where do you go from there? Oh, sorry, I, I, I can't keep you. But how do you not stay traumatized by? I, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't get it. 
I think it's a fantastic question and maybe if the viewers and the listeners like it it's something we should debate on our next on our next call as I think there's a lot of scope for that question yeah definitely I think it'll be interesting at some point to maybe get a few different apprentices on obviously last week was apprenticeship week yep and I know that you were doing the most on the panel in the middle microphone mic check one two Tell us briefly about that. Sure. So, yes, last week was uh, National Apprenticeship Week uh, and I was honoured to take part and be invited to speak about my experience as an apprentice. Um, National Apprenticeship Week is to highlight the amazing work that apprentices do. Uh, Being an apprentice is not easy. You are studying, you are learning all at the same time. Particularly, I can speak for myself with the degree apprenticeship. I am doing a degree. I am doing what normal students do whilst having a full-time job. Whilst people just have deadlines of their modules, I have deadlines at work as well. And children depend on me because I work in the not-for-profit sector and I do it because I love it. Uh, I'm making sure that children have a safe and happy childhood with the foundations to strive. So for me, being the person I am, it's not good enough to not put 100% into everything. So this brings me down to a piece I would say, if you're looking for an apprenticeship, you need to be organized. If you're not organized, you don't have time management skills, then forget it, it's not for you. You will not last. For sure. Well, Sham, we're going to round it down, not up. Thank you so, 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 so much for coming on and speaking with me. First episode and that. Um, But yeah, look, really appreciate it. I think if anybody needs any advice on anything to do with apprenticeship journey, whatever the weather, Shania Thomas is where it's at. And please give it another five or ten years. She will be doing the most in a very very high place so shan i love you and thank you everybody for tuning in to gift of the gab see you guys soon thank you so much make sure you tune in to the next episode thank you (laughs) thanks shan